We interrupt your broadcast for this breaking news. The hosts of award-winning That Mint podcast have announced their resignations after rumours have been circulating that they are unqualified to be in the space usually reserved for opinionated men. We go live now to Darlington. Thank you to the Nation's Press for attending today. It is with a heavy heart that we are announcing our resignation from That Mint podcast. The rumours are not untrue. We are two Northern women, one without a will, and one in negative equity. History itself will judge whether we were in fact ever qualified to host a personal financial podcast. It has become increasingly apparent that what we were doing was wrong. During recording, we were anxious and mostly drunk. Unfortunately, we have a condition where we do not sweat and we do enjoy Peter, Peter Express. We tried to do research but instead found ourselves on websites looking at tractors. So we're going to confess, but we were instead ambushed by wine, which was not our fault. Morrison's meal deals, thank you Amy. And the occasional puccini. We would not, of course, spend the nation's money on expensive Prosecco. <laughs> Kathy. Sorry, George, it's just a very emotional time. It is, it is. No more photos, no more photos. We ask for privacy at this time. We've since reached out to the Art of Finance and booked ourselves in for rehab. It's our intention to keep learning and growing. We hope you will allow us and our families to draw a line under this and to get on with delivering for the British people and our new jobs at the speed. Always tip your waiters. Thank you. Right, that's it. Thank you. No more questions, no more questions. No comment, no comment, no comment. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on down, 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 down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No more photos, no comment, no comment, no comment. Hi, Jojo, for the last time. Hi. <laughs> it's our final, final episode of That Men's Podcast. Can you believe it? I can believe it, but almost, only almost, because I just think we might still do the odd special. <laughs> The bug looks like that, aren't we? We are, we are. Yeah. Um, it's been three seasons, which is pretty much three years. We started before COVID, and do you remember we did our little test episode in the office, in the very echoey room? In the beehive. In the beehive, and then we did our first actual episode in my living room. Yes, I do. I remember seeing the frightened looks on Mark and Glenn's face. Um, oh my God, what will we do that one day a month where we get drunk in the office? Hmm, <laughs> what would we do? It's a great question. Get drunk in the office. All oh, right, fine. Yeah, fine. As long as they're both clear. Can you that. think of some of the main topics that we've covered or some of the stuff that's kind of stood out for you? Um, we've done a lot on pensions. We've done a lot on investments. I think one of the main things that stood out for me and only because out of necessity was the fact that I don't know how many people know that I don't have a will, um, despite being, you know, ancient. And um, so we did an episode where I wrote a will on the fly. Um, a verbal will, didn't yeah. I? Did oh, do you know what? I'd forgotten that, and genuinely, that still right now is your only living will. Like, if you <laughs> yeah. die, that is literally, it's a thing, isn't it? You've got it, like, um, it's on record. I don't know how many people have heard it, but it's basically Cathy going, What am I getting? What am I getting? What are you going to give me? So, in previous episodes, Jo has um, had to make predictions for what she thought was coming up in the budget. <sighs> so badly. <laughs> What we did specifically in the budget was things like what do you think is going to happen with corporation tax, what do you think is going to happen with ITER allowances and not 
not the strongest. Didn't get many right. <laughs> not that many. Um, but um, Mark reframed it for us in that the point is, like, you can't guess, like, nobody mm -hmm. can. And even, in his words, professionals <laughs> who, who work in finance, like, there's just no way of knowing. So you try to make decisions around your mortgage or where to save or what to do in your future. And you try to make a guess. And actually, it's just, it's impossible, isn't it? It is. And I think in finance, the biggest um, myth that we've tried to bust throughout the whole podcast is that everybody in finance knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, people in finance don't know what's going to happen in the future. They can do no. predictions, they can do forecasts, and they can look at all the different scenarios, but nobody actually knows what's going to happen in the future. So, talking about predictions that you mm. can't do, would you like to do some? All right, okay. <laughs> so, um... Not really. <laughs> I'm so bad at them. Whatever Joe says, do the opposite and Sounds like a plan. be fine. It's not, like not advice. Right, so given the state of the world right now, post-COVID, it's all a bit bonkers. Um, inflation's gone nuts. Interest rates are increasing. Everybody's feeling it. And the other thing is, housing market has been absolutely insane. It's where we are right now. First prediction, what do you think in terms of the housing market that this kind of bonkers bubble price increasing, when do you think it'll stop? Tell me what you know about bubbles. <laughs> they pop. Exactly. Um, so the bubble will pop. It will guaranteed it will not carry on at this rate. It'll have to come down in the next, I reckon, two years. Two years it'll pop. So it burst last time because of kind of the credit crunch mm -hmm. and the access to it. Do you think it'll burst in the same way this time or that it'll just slow down and like just chill its boots? It'll slow down and chill its boots because a lot of people thought, right, okay, I've saved some money over COVID. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy my house. And there was this whole thing where, right, okay, your house is worth 200 grand. So what I'm going to do is take offers over that and let you all fight it out amongst yourselves yeah. and sell this house for 250 grand. Let you get your mortgage for that. You're sitting in your house. Lovely. I'm really happy. Um, and then, oh, actually, ready to move. Uh, oh, no, my house is actually still only worth 200 grand. Um, so I'm in massive negative equity. And you're right, like, and actually the, the release of everybody post-COVID going, right, we're here, we're ready to like, get out the parents' house and want to go, and was fighting with thousands of other people who were all in the same situation, but at some point yeah, it will level now. back out. Yeah. So for context, the Bank of England target 2% inflation. Yeah. It should go up, everything should go up each year, that's perfectly normal, and for the last few years it's, it's broadly done that. Um, if inflation goes a bit nuts, normally they put um, interest rates up because then people spend a little bit less and it pulls inflation down and you can just tinker with it. However, as you've alluded to, we've come out with this post-Covid, everything's gone mental. Obviously there's all the other um, issues, everything's pushing stuff through the roof. So again, we've got this extreme spike which isn't necessarily reflective of kind of the broader world mm -hmm. so what's your thoughts on inflation where do you think it's going to go this time next year mm -hmm. where will we be people forget what the credit crunch was like but what it is is part of a cyclical part of general economy which you know happens all the time you'll get like a boom you'll get a recession and you'll you'll get a depression and all of that so it's where I said you couldn't predict any finance, you can kind of understand that it will come at some mm -hmm. point. I think what we've seen is with the pandemic, companies, oil companies, supermarkets, all vendors are looking at a situation where 
I haven't been able to make any money for two years. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the excuse that there's a war in, youth, in the Ukraine. I'm going to make an excuse that there's no oil. I'm going to say, you know, people are working from home and so I need to increase my prices. And then as soon as anyone increases the prices and it starts to do it quite regularly, they all do it. And that's what we're going to say. We're going to say high inflation because everybody's kind of having to spend more regardless. They're recouping um, on the last two years. Of course they? they are. And, you know, and what we've all forget because we've all got short term memories is we all saved for the last two years when we didn't have to spend that kind of cash. It is just a thing of having to be part of this cyclical economic um, kind of makeup. So your last little bit of prep is um, we're going to talk about Bitcoin. At eight o'clock this morning, one Bitcoin was um, sixteen thousand two hundred thirty-one Great British pounds. For one Bitcoin? One Bitcoin. 16,231 British pounds? Yeah. Great British pounds? <laughs> do you know what in the great? Jesus, I didn't know that. Do you, can you buy, like, bit pennies? <laughs> what do you think that will be when we finish recording? So, first decision, higher or lower? <sighs> How can you, you predict can't. something on the same day? It's a point of the segment. Why would you even look at an investment for the same day? It's not like you're going to buy it at two o'clock and sell it at five o'clock when you go out for a pint. People do. And also, lols. So, <laughs> up or down? Jesus, up. Okay, so from 16231 to... 17456. What? <laughs> I mean, I can't see the future, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> 17, right, 17456, and we'll take back. Our last ever listener question... Um, How exciting. And it came off the back of one of our previous episodes where you were talking about how cheap your life insurance is. It is, yeah. Do you still have it? Yep, £11.67. £11.67 a month. I now pay something stupid like, but to be fair, disclaimer, mine includes critical illness, but mine's like 70 quid a month. Oh my God, 70 quid. Oh, it's because you're so much unhealthier than me. <laughs> and it includes um, critical illness, and it included the watch that immediately broke. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yours is cheaper than mine. However, the point is, why you can get life... Right, what's your... Um, what does it cover you for? How much? Um, £250,000. £11.67 for 30 years. Is it just you? Just, Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, well, we've got one each. Yeah. So they're about a tenner each. It works out twenty quid for both of us. Two hundred and fifty grand each. Thirty yeah. years covers our mortgage and everything else. So the question from the listener was: um, Should you be Joe who pays eleven pounds but has paid it for a lot longer? When did yeah, you yeah. take it out? How old were you? Oh, I bet it was about twenty-five. Right. Or should you be Cathy? So mine's 70 quid now, but it does include critical illness and a broken watch. So we'll round it down to like 40, <laughs> 30, 40 quid. Um, but I've taken it, took it out much later. So you're thinking, I've been covered all this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, Joe paid for life insurance for like 20 years. I didn't need to. They are both correct in that what I've had is what you can't justify the cost of is peace of mind. I've had that peace of mind. You've just been living on the bloody edge. Um, I disagree. I feel like I wasn't living on the edge. I think it's disingenuous to feel like you, not you, the listener who was like, oh, basically every year that I don't die, like, great, I've just saved yeah. £10. And um, But also, yeah. you didn't die. Like, the death is the kind of... The yeah, that, I mean, the death's a bonus. Death's yeah, yeah. Not dying's a bonus. I didn't need the peace of mind. I'm not, you know, thinking I wish I'd had peace of mind. Mm -hmm. But I also 
don't think not having it the point is you pay so much less because you were yeah, yeah. so young when you took it out so i went on my reckless um weekend jaunt to spain cost me six pounds or something for travel insurance and i think sorry you took up travel insurance for a weekend away yeah what if i died <laughs> i would take travel insurance it was only a fiver whatever and it's like, it's like that peace of mind of knowing that you've got that for like would you never take no. out Absolutely not. I, I would not go away for a weekend on my own and take out like travel insurance, not a chance. If I was Mark Zuckerberg, I wouldn't take out travel insurance because I've got millions in the bank and if I died, absolutely I've got millions to kind of pull my body back. Don't need millions. Well, how are you going to get your body back? Well, I'll tell you what, if you, if you die abroad, I'm not paying to get your body back. You, you can would. just, oh no. Um, I know I would. Out of the business, I wouldn't be paying out of my pocket. However, um, do you not think? Do you not think like that? Do you not no. think like how will I get my body back? No. So anyway, quite would you be twenty year old and take out life insurance for the next fifty years? Yes, I bloody would at ten pounds. Ten pounds a month. Come on. For example, or would you be forty year old and take out life insurance for the next thirty years at thirty pound a month? No. So actually, looking at people in the room, would you have spent those twenty years with Joe's peace of mind? Gone. I've, pen I've spent ten pound a month, and I feel. I've had something, or would you get to 40 and be me gone? Fucking waste. <laughs> what a waste. Show of hands, who around the table has life insurance? Okay, what percentage of people around the table do you think already has How life insurance? There? There's 10. Um, I think at least 50% have got life insurance, and I'm going to tell you who. Um, I'm interested in the tell me who, but I don't think you can say at least 50. I want a percentage. 50. You think 50, okay. Yeah, which, yeah. which five? Okay, which fifty do you think? For sure, Nat. Absolutely. Nat's probably got one of those over fifty plants. <laughs> where you get a free Parker pen. Nat's, um, Nat's probably got a funeral plot. Yeah, yeah, she's got a carriage clock. Um Nene, because she's already said she would. Calvert, just because he's got shit together. Fran, for sure. Not Fran. I feel like Laura would. Laura's yeah. It's probably not indicative of the world because these are all finance people and they know the interest and they know kind of the importance of life insurance. Let's say that you took yours out when you were 20 and we'll round it down to 10 for easy maths. So if you had it for 50 years, £10 a month from 20 to 70, yeah, yeah. would be six grand in right. total in premiums. Champion. Compared to if somebody took it out at the age of 40, mm -hmm. so they've had 20 years where they didn't pay that mm -hmm. £10 a month, but to get them to age 70 is a 30-year time frame. Yeah, yeah. Imagine the same level of cover and now it's £35 a month yeah. because they've took it out at 40. So you've spent six grand in premiums. That yeah. person who's took it out at 40 has spent £12,600. So what you're saying is I was right. The well, point is that they, the life insurance company, are gambling on when you die and they'll do it super, super cheap and they'll do £10 a month because they'll go between the age of 20 and 70, Joe's only likely to die between the age of 50 and 70. So you're paying £10 a month, but in reality, to them, it's free because they don't think he'll die. It's yeah. very... Very unlikely. I mean, they've underestimated how reckless I am. <laughs> they have. But what you end up paying when you take it out at 40, it looks more expensive, but it's because you're paying for the time in your life where more probably more likely to, to go. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like everyone's lesson is like... You yeah, but there's also... The, when you get to a certain age, you know, you've got, like, um, medication for this, you can't go f 
you can't go for a poo, your knees hurt, you know, your heart might be bad, you know, you're on the cod liver oil. Um, but I do think that that's an impact. You're playing that gamble, isn't it? It's that gamble of, you know, like, um, I suppose it's the same as any casino you go to. You think, oh, I'm like winning, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. When do you pull out? Yeah. At what point do you think, right, actually, I'm going to end it here before you start to lose? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. On that note, let's move on to the next section. <laughs> okay, we've got... We've got our little name for the first... Yeah, IRL. <laughs> the first time on actual camera, because you've only been behind the mic, haven't you? I have, yes. Yeah. Well, um, we've been following um, Nana's house buying journey from the hall, um, from when she was trying to find a house to buying a house and getting a mortgage and um, moving in, all of that. And where are you now? Bought it. Yeah! <laughs> so when did you move in? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah! <laughs> um, we talked about all the fun that comes with a house buying journey, but then obviously now what you've had is like the last bit where it's like the excitement and you get the keys and how do you feel now looking back to all the journey that we went through versus kind of getting the house because people say it's one of the most stressful things that you can do does you, do you still feel the stress of it the impact um I, I think it was quite easy for me if i'm being honest i didn't really feel too stressed because i was living at home and i was i didn't i wasn't in a rush to move out i didn't like have to i didn't like have any pressures around me i just did it because i was ready to yeah so it wasn't like a stressful process and because i could take my time and getting stuff ready exactly how i wanted to like again there was no rush for me so it's been nice to, and to be able to do it on my own as well I quite like it um so for people who didn't listen to early episodes you did a help to buy is that right like yeah. help to buy isa how does it work once you get to that point and you're literally using it to buy a house so obviously you can only save £200 a month into the Help to Buy ISA. Um, but again, the process was pretty simple. You just um, go to your bank and tell them you want to close down your ISA. And the, your solicitor will also apply for the bonus. So it all just gets sorted for you once you've done that. And then the money just goes into your bank with the bonus. And then you use that for whatever you want. Because You're tempted to think, ah, oh, nah, fuck it, I'll squat. <laughs> <laughs> it's got my lash around the cobbler. I came in my bank, I was like, balling. <laughs> <laughs> Cost her this week. <laughs> um, and then you bought a new build. I guess it, in some ways less stressful because like you know what you're buying, you're not worried about like finding loads of old kind of defects in a house and stuff, but then how have you found it? kind of gone through the journey and like now that you've got the keys and moved in? Well uh, I went for a new build because I thought it would be easier than an older build. Um, I was advised not to because older builds are bigger and you get more for your money and that kind of thing um, which is somewhat true but um, and with a new build it was annoying you don't have like the fixtures and the fittings you have to like buy all, like, every little thing down to like mm. the light um, covers and like towel rails like everything like that which you would obviously already have in an old build but you had to sorry you had to buy a towel rail everything yeah like the first everything. honestly like, i remember me and claire our first house at the flat that we got and uh, that was the new build and i remember moving in and going all the floors were concrete like literally there was oh, yeah. nothing not like nothing literally concrete floors and white walls and that is it yeah that's Getting all it was so i was like mm, maybe i should have got an old build <laughs> but then i quite liked it because it was all mine it was all my choice and i could get it exactly how i wanted so then i think it was worth it it's funny though it's all those little bits like a towel or like a toilet roll holder like the tiniest little things that obviously if you've had a house that somebody else has lived in would be there yeah. but if you're buying it from scratch like well, there's, you know there's advantages to that like we've all been and looked at properties where they've got that whole like 
purple or green um, like bathroom suite. Love card or suite. Come yeah. around them, aren't they? Full circle. No. All people are buying oh, them. Proactively not. buying them. Absolutely not. That's in, yeah, so it's true. How have you found the whole kind of house buying journey? Like how scary or intimidating has it been? Um, again, not as scary as I thought it would be. I was quite um, worried doing it on my own and because I had no, I had no idea about any of the process, it was just all news to me. I didn't know what, what was what. But I think with buying it through the development, they kind of hold your hand through it all. Yeah. Whereas with like an older house, you have to consider like chains and like a larger deposit and there's not like the help to buy schemes that you do and stuff like that so it's been better than I thought it would be. What's been like is the one any one bit either through the process or at the point that you've moved in and you've got settled like what's been like the one tricky thing or the hardest thing that you just think yeah. Um well, it, well, although it was easy, like sending all the forms back to your solicitors, like there's so much you need yeah. to sign, and I don't really like, don't really read half of it. It's kind of signed it all. Give me my house. So that was kind of like I was getting my dad to help me go through all the forms and stuff, so I could kind of get my head around it. Coming away from the scary stuff, like has there been obviously well, actually, what was your first night like in your first house? Oh, I hated house, it. Like, I hated it. it was did awful, you hate yeah, it? Was awful wow. Because I didn't have curtains, I didn't have flooring yeah. as well. I put a sheet over my window and I just felt like I was in a little doss house. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was really awful. And then I've got I love that stuff well. though. Honestly, I've got pictures in um like my previous houses and like we had to use like um a pasting table you know that you use for, like wallpaper to like eat off and you had like bean bags on the floor and like cheese up at the window she's saying that i've literally been to a house now it looks like that oh no it looks like that right now <laughs> like, oh you know in the olden days today um but i like it for because you know it's temporary you know it's like yeah. symbolic of the fact that you've just moved in and it is your space it's not yeah. how you're going to live but and did you I not enjoy it no i didn't enjoy it and because then like a couple of days later i cut my finger and lost feeling in my finger as well because it was quite bad cut and then i couldn't wash my hair and i was stressed because i was looking like a scruff living in this dross house and i was like <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> i remember when we moved into our first house um thinking you know it doesn't matter we've both got our, you know we live with our parents and there's no rush to move in this first house and um, but you know we've got the keys and you know we could just do it up how we wanted to it's absolutely fine first night um, mattress didn't fit the bed just like laying on the side like that going like e but you have to stay there don't you because you've got the keys and it's like your first house um, and i'm just recklessly impatient anyway um absolutely <laughs> just like rolling off every night yeah. <laughs> i'd rather have no sleep and break my neck than oh just yeah admit. you just feel like it's exciting isn't it it's exciting it's something it's isn't it yeah you can watch what you want you can have your own netflix have you got your own netflix account you're still using your dad's now use my brother's <laughs> Fair. Fair. um so for people who are buying their very first house have you got any top tips for them um, so one of the very first things I did was um, Holly had give me a budget spreadsheet that she was using. Was it the uh, was it that <laughs> Min podcast budget spreadsheet could that Jazz created? <laughs> Maybe you could say it was a one that Jazz created that she'd been using on that Min podcast. So I used a spreadsheet that Jazz created. <laughs> was it for this podcast? Yeah. Oh my god! It's available to download off the website. Potentially. <laughs> It bloody is, Nana. It bloody is. Um, but no, that actually helped loads to see like projected um, expenditures that can happen, so I can actually mm. 
figure out if I could afford to move out rather than just wanting to, like I could actually see if it was feasible. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it, when you look at it and you think, so you'll go to a mortgage company and they'll say, right, okay, based on your earnings, based on what you spend, you can afford a mortgage for blah and it will yeah. cost blah. You think, eee, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. massive house. I'll oh, get it's everything on else. <laughs> But actually, it is everything else. It's you know, oh, but, oh, what? So you you want to wait and you want to buy a towel rail? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, and <laughs> literally, on the floor. council tax, like anything else. Anything, council tax. Uh, yeah. yeah, council tax, your Google. gas, your electric, everything that's gone through the roof yeah. just now, which is why people I think will struggle, um, who've previously budgeted and they haven't got much space in their budget because everything's kind of gone through the roof, and you need to have that kind of buffer for it, but. <laughs> Um, so our budget spreadsheet, available to download, um, is really, really helpful in that respect because it's everything else, isn't it? And I'd be, I mean, you've only been in a few weeks, but has there been any surprises of things you think, oh, oh no, actually, I do still want to go to Turtle Bay for a bottomless brunch. <laughs> How do I cope with that? Well, um, along with the budgeting for monthly stuff, I, I would suggest getting having like making sure you've got an emergency fund as well. So for um, like my boiler stopped working like only last week. What? what? A brand new house. Brand new. So for like two or three days as well. But luckily because I'd just moved in and it was a new build, I didn't have to pay for anything. Whereas if it was an older house, I would have yeah, had to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I forked out for whatever. So that was just none that you had that. Yeah. Um, I think I said that to you once. Like genuinely, that was like one of my low points was when my boiler broke, and I was just like, oh no, sorry. My low point was my car broke, and I couldn't afford to fix it. And my high point was when parasols had got to the point where my boiler broke, and I was like, oh, I can actually like get somebody out. Like I don't have to just sit here and cry on the couch. Like, and it was maybe two hundred pounds. But genuinely, until that point, I was like, if it had broken beforehand, I would have just you know, wrapped up form. Yeah. <laughs> but while it is on it, is, it's a massive thing. And like I said, we've got so many extra outgoings. Yeah. And it's that thing, isn't it, that we all know about in finance, certainly in the power planning industry of knowing that we say to people, you know, you must have three to six months. Um, we just say it over and over and over again. Three to six months income, three to six months yeah. expenditure of, um, of an emergency fund and it becomes almost like a just a mantra that you sell the time you don't even think about it but so many people don't so many people think oh, actually like oh i've got a grand in the savings yeah. oh my god i'll just book a weekend to bunny dome um but yeah it is such such a crucial part of it isn't it making sure you have the capital savings as well as that extra bit on your expenditure and extra yeah. bit on your budget biggest question have you got your dressing room yeah yeah What's it like? Unreal. Oh, you'll have to show us some photos. Yeah, oh, you maybe could show us one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, what? There's a question here. Um, any chance we? What's it say? Sorry, sorry, I haven't got my readers on. Any chance we can visit her new house for the TMP rap party? Hard no. <laughs> Ah, oh, well, congratulations, Nina. We're over the moon for you. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. So the aim was for the podcast to have not been just entirely us wittering on, despite how well we witter on, but to actually help impact we had on people. Impact we can have, and if people have learnt any lessons and what they can do, and we thought we would prepare and like see um, who we could ask. <laughs> to <laughs> what they've learned, yeah. and we decided the person that we would ask would be Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, so what we've done is the old switcheroo. Oh, um, so, honestly, our Greg was in on it. He was. Um, Poor Greg. So we thought what we'd do was kind of, <laughs> you know, that whole ask an audience thing that you prefer for, that's for you. <laughs> so, Mark, all this time that we've been in the podcast, what is the one thing, what's the biggest lesson you've taken from this? Actually, before we were recording the podcast, we didn't have a company pension scheme set up and it was a little bit illegal. <laughs> Just a bit. But even aside from the illegal stuff, um, yeah, I think we actually learned that the idea, like you were talking about with life insurance, of actually paying in a little bit now and compound interest and seeing how much of a difference like paying in earlier compared to paying in later was a little bit upsetting because I'm... 36 now. I'm thinking about all those years that I've missed not putting in. The opposite then of life insurance, where like with your life insurance, you're like, whew, didn't waste my money because I didn't die. Your pension, you're like, hey, we don't know that. I think enough. Oh, no, we do. We put it in his notes. He literally oh. was like, <laughs> Is that what you think? Do you think he wouldn't waste your money on life insurance? At what? But until I did the maths prepping for the questions, I used to think like every year, oh, I meant like, I was, I was supposed, no, like, I was supposed to like do the admin, take it out, and I haven't, but God, that's whatever it is, like 20 odd pounds worth of premiums a month, saving money there. And then actually realizing that once you get older, you get like your knees go, you get a bit ill, the premiums are gonna add up, and actually you end up paying like 12,000 over a short period of time, and you're not winning. Um, what was your favorite episode? Hard, it? I think one of my favourite episodes is probably one of the early ones talking about wills and life insurance. Have you got a will? I've, st I've, st I've started it again because of this. Because of this, I started writing a will. Didn't quite finish it, but I haven't got life insurance yet. Again, started getting that. Why was it one of your favourite episodes? Um, because it was talking about something that you just avoid thinking about. You don't want to do anything to do with it. and. I think the way that you managed to frame it and talk about it was was fun, it was relatable, and it just, like you, you made the concept of writing a will seem like, actually, you don't just have to look at all the sort of depressants, like morbid stuff, you can actually think, oh, I want a Viking funeral, or I'm gonna like make people do this thing for me, or like all, like, all the different ideas that you could have in, um, but also then like not having the stress of thinking, oh, that I've not done business. What's been your favourite um, podcast episode or podcast moment that wasn't related to you doing something finance specific? I think for me what's always been great about this project is um, I think when you guys just talk about your own experiences. Uh, so we start off like last week or last month we started off with like a chart that was about like how much of a household income spent on childcare. Like something which you know, from The Economist magazine, really dry chart. And like, there's a, obviously a point behind it that like, that's increasing and how can you afford to go to work and the choices that you make. And then you guys talk about your own experiences about, you know, the decisions that you had to make and, you know, do I carry on going to work, carry on with my career? Do I do what feels right in that moment for me and my kid and it feels horrible leaving them? And it's, it's that idea of like, you get people engaged in finance and personal finance in a way that's not just sort of like talking at them and just trying to teach them something. 
just sharing something about your own lives that I think when people listen, they'll relate to and that will sort of help them. Even if they're not doing exactly the same thing, it's thinking about those ideas and just thinking about different ways that they could do things. Um, so we started saying, what's the price of Bitcoin? And it was 16,231. Um, and Lily, was it you that had your phone that was working? Uh, yeah. What would you say but Bitcoin's at? 16,431. Oh, what, another 200 quid? Yeah. In an hour. Oh my God, you're so lame. Go on, Lily. It is 16,284. Oh, that was even less. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I really thought it was going to go up loads. I thought it was really in volatile. Yeah, in two hours. <laughs> That was going to go up loads. Um, will you miss the podcast? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I genuinely think, and I've said this all along, like every time I get to the end of like editing an episode, like... <laughs> Midnight. <laughs> 2 a.m., sorry, Jazz. Sometimes a bit later. Um, but yeah, I just think that there's something within like what we've made that's really valuable that I don't think is out there, that I don't think a lot of people are doing in this kind of way um, like so much of it is most of the time men doing it and men who are sort of that bit overconfident um, and no one's just having those sort of like fun honest conversations and so I think yeah I think we've created something that's pretty unique thank you Mark thank you Glenn thanks Greg right so throughout this series we've done quid games we have, which is like Squid Game, but like money. Um, anyway, so for the final of a Quid Game, second final, we're going to do two, two, two Quid Games. So this one, the first one is all around you. So it's, um, we'll take 15 second clips from previous episodes <laughs> without any context whatsoever of things that you're saying oh. and we all have to try and guess what topic Joe might have been referring to. Literally stick me in a wheeled trolley. They probably don't want to see us all protruding and full of gas, but uh. stick, I meant like a suitcase, a trolley suitcase. Oh, <gasps> stick me in that and just drag me down. One of the ones with four wheels, you know, so you can push it if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> I do genuinely know what this I is. Know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. I know what it is. I know. It's as I was protruding with gas because I'm not normally. Um, <laughs> This is definitely, again, me talking about funerals and about how much people pay for bloody coffins. You know how many thousands of pounds you pay for coffins? So my point is, stick us in one of those cheap things you get from Primark or TK Maxx, 20 quid for a wheel trolley case, bang us in there, wheel us down the creme, drop us off. Do you know what's interesting? I listened to that, I thought the same, but that's not what it was about. No! <laughs> how many times am I in a trolley full of gas? <laughs> See if you can piece it together, because I don't know, like this was to do with our side hustle and summer jobs. My new thing with the funeral is, absolutely, you know, like I always say, cheapest coffin, oh, the rest yes. of the money behind the bar, always the way for a funeral. Absolutely, do not spend a penny more than you have to on a co coffin for me, it's getting burned. Um, but my new thought is, never had a pot when I was a kid, never broke a bone, but coffin, Everyone can draw, like, write things on my coffin, like as if I had a cast, like as if I had a pot, yeah. which I never had. And I tell you what now, if you do not draw me your cock and balls on that coffin, <laughs> I will be furious. So, next clip. Bloody Nora, I don't like this. Oh yeah, because we mix those bullet points up, so there's the interest rate one. Are we finished on technically the time to invest? What's up with your toe? Mm -hmm. oh. Is it a blister? Mm -hmm. 
That was from our um, series one <laughs> coronavirus episode. You had the coronavirus. I heard, heard you did. Clip four. Public service announcement. Um, there was an article in the paper the other day that said doctors are warning people not to put frozen tables in their anus. <laughs> to me, said, to me said, you're probably all right because you haven't got a freezer, but just in case. <laughs> just you in case you needed to know. Um, I do remember that. That was quite recent. That must have been season three. Yeah. Why did you have a frozen potato up your bot? I didn't. You were telling me that the doctors were saying it's a headline. What because, so, right, how it had happened was out of the blue, George just sent me a screenshot and went, you haven't got a freezer, so I think you're all right. However, just so you know, doctors are saying, don't stick frozen potatoes up your bot. Um, so, you know, I was only safe because I didn't have a freezer, not because it wouldn't be a thing that we choose to do. Has anyone stuck a frozen potato up the bot? No? No? Alright, fair. Some at a midlife crisis episode. Ah, oh, I mean, every, every, everyone is a midlife crisis episode, is it not? Comes into it. It's going to be a good one. Clip five, please. Oh, I know. Do you like the bit where we talk about pooping? <laughs> 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 That's a funny dance you made there, wasn't it? It's a dance I've never heard of something you said, bro. <laughs> oh, I feel like that, we know what that is. <laughs> Is that the coronavirus when we've run out of toilet when we've yeah. run out of toilet roll? Coronavirus too with a slice of lime. <laughs> Sounds about right. Was I talking about pooping? I don't talk about that all the time. Only the occasional teams chat and pod every podcast. Can't help but it. other than that, you don't? Could have been anything that literally could have been anything. I I tell you what. It's I only think. the lack of toilet roll that gives it away. Like you got away like yeah. Like when they went, we're gonna do out of context job. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Oh, there were some badness in there, wasn't there? There were some badness in there. Last ever quick last, game. Last one, is this one? It's a fancy bottle of Prisinia right there, ladies. <laughs> uh, can I ask why you've chosen a glamorous photo of Cathy and me with her right angled head? <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> right, I've got to ask a series of questions and you've got to guess your answer and it's either going to be Joe or Cathy and you need to put your correct card up above your head don't show and if you both match so you're both on the same wavelength you get a point so you would need to work together on this one all right <laughs> why do i always feel like i'm getting wrong when i talk to us right okay let's cut to the chase so who has made the best financial choices in their life up to now what did you put? Cathy. Ah, well done. One what, what are you saying about me? What are you saying, about, you saying about you? Right, okay. So, who has made the best life choices up to now? <laughs> I put them choices. both in the bin. Um, Subjective. Oh, no, I feel like they were both bad. Um, <laughs> life, okay. I'm going to... What's that? Oh, no. I mean, come on. That's what I mean, we're both tight. I mean, we're both, it was a hard one. We're both awful. Who usually instigates drinking during an episode? No, you did that dead fast and I tried to, I know what you've done. 
You chose the wine, and then you drank it all. I did. I did all. Both but anyway, we've got a point. On we argue, but we're on the same page. Um, following on from um, out of context, Joe, might be a hint. Who has had the most minutes edited out oh. and been left on the cutting room floor? Who is it? It's got to be me. Go, Joe. I'm really interested to know. Is it Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Mark nearly cursed me then. Right, okay, next question. <laughs> Who is most likely to star in another podcast in the future? No, oh, she's so big. But we're doing it together. We're doing a wine podcast called Winey and Tiny. <laughs> um, you're on a podcast every week. Yeah, yeah that true. true. That was a um, Who would make the best Chancellor of the Exchequer? <laughs> <laughs> um, can you put them both in the bin? <laughs> Same as the life choices. Yeah. All right. Well, you've done me too. Right, who swears the most on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think that's Joe's doing. And last one. Who is best prepared for retirement? <laughs> Not retirement, three retirement. retirement. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. No. Means that Prasini is all yours. Two straws, please. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Um, well, thank you, Joe, for being Dashmond Podcast host with me for the last three seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being the person who got edited the least and said the most things and most prepared for retirement and is absolutely more likely to be Chancellor of the Exchequer. I feel like I've added so much. Um, Going to say thank you to anybody at all for being involved in the podcast. Nah, can't think of anyone. <laughs> nah. Can't think of anyone that I would want to say thank you to, like marketing or second draft or just for the events or... Um, Nat for keeping us right and making sure that they beat all the sex comments out. All of our guests. Over like three series, yeah, there's been a lot of people. And um, from the very first sticks, bless him, little sticks, um, which is stuck by the way, so that was Dan <laughs> Moody from Intellifloor. Um, but yeah, it's been good and we have enjoyed it and we will do probably something at some point, either a little mint podcast forced thing or a whiny and tiny. There'll be something, won't there? There'll be a special, won't there? Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for a lovely Mint Podcast series, the end. Oh, don't say the end. Don't say Finn. Oh, can you do that thing where we say Finn and then it goes like a 1920s film? Yay! Yay! We go live now to Darlington. Thank you, thank you, thank you! <laughs>